Hi, Van Pappas from Between Two Trains. We got another episode we're about to bring you, but before we do, I just wanted to give a few thanks. Last month, we hit our one-year anniversary, and I'm so proud that we made it a whole year. I want to say thanks to all the co-hosts that sat in with me, Jason Wheelock, David Carter, Eric Moss, Tom Abbott, Mark Berkey. Thank you guys for sitting in. I also want to thank our sponsors, 3411 Coworking and Oxygen Financial. But most importantly, I'd like to thank the guests that have come on the show. We so appreciate you telling your story to our community. That's really what this is all about. Thank you. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Theo, and you are listening to Between Two Trains. We bring you the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area on the 1st and 15th of every month. Today, your co-hosts are Van Pappas and Eric Most. And now, Between Two Trains. All right, welcome to another Between Two Trains. Today, my co-host is Eric Most once again. Eric, welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. How is Chase Bank doing? We're doing strong? We're doing well. Yeah. If you can't chase it, replace it. Live in the dream one day at a time. <laughs> All right. Well, Eric, I am so excited to tell you that we've got some guests that I think you're really going to be impressed. I think our listeners are really going to be impressed with. Um, we have Stephen Tomlinson and David Hollister with L7. And when I tell you what they do, you're going to be like, we're interviewing these guys? But I think it's really interesting. I think we're going to have a good time. So their company does industrial cleaning, for lack of a better phrase. So let's bring them on and see if that's really what they do or if there's something great. Dave, uh, Stephen, how are you? Welcome to the show. Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So am I right? Industrial cleaning, is that an accurate short description of what you do? Well, it is uh, part of what we do. Um, commercial cleaning is, is uh, really our bread and butter, the standard janitorial uh, type services. But, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've gotten into uh, a lot of industrial space as well. And so, uh, whereas we, when we first started, we, we thought probably office buildings and, you know, any commercial spaces that are essentially anything that's, we say anything where people don't go to sleep is, uh, <laughs> is up for grabs. Um, but uh, it, we, we've kind of progressed and take some customers that uh, we didn't expect to, to take when we first started. And so we, now we say that we are commercial and industrial. All right. So how long have you been doing this? Um, I've been in this business for uh, about 10 years now. Okay. Um, Level 7 was started in 2012. I had a, a cleaning business in Savannah that I uh, owned and operated for about three and a half years uh, and moved here to get married in 2012 and, uh, and, and sold the uh, Savannah operations and, and started the exact same business model here. Now, was this something that you said? You know, I'm a wee lad, and hey, cleaning business, that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never heard this my whole life. <laughs> I've never heard someone say, yeah, I want to when I grow up. Yeah. Um, so what What said, this is the business I want to be in? Well, it's, uh, there was definitely a progression, uh, and uh, it, it is an interesting business model, uh, which, you know, is not one that people often think about, although um, there's certainly a ton of business out there for it. It's a service that everyone needs, and so you know everybody's a prospect. But of course, it's it's also a very cluttered field, and it can be very competitive. But I guess we can get into the really a cluttered field. So there's a lot of competitors. There is? are, there are, there are uh, commercial cleaning businesses on every corner. Um, so what's like the average customer? 
who is who who are you going after that there's so many people in this business that are also going after commercial property managers okay yeah and so we're talking like warehouses or we're talking office buildings, office buildings. warehouses yeah absolutely so the, the industrial side uh, is, is a little bit different uh, and, and it's there are industry groups that tend to focus more on uh, industrial type facilities mm-hmm. and then there are certain industry groups that's you know, within the, the property management world, there are a lot of different types of niches, obviously. But um, so it, it's it is a little bit of a different beast to do what we do in a, in a uh, industrial facility. So we're sitting here at thirty four eleven co working, which is Shambly's own co office space. Would this be a customer? Would Absolutely. you come in and clean there? Yeah. So somebody's. Cleaning up around here, and it could be the you know the occupants, it could be the owners, it, it could be a or they could hire you. Absolutely. All right. So yeah. before we leave, well, just to kind of touch on the, the history of it, I actually uh, when I was in college, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Chris Spivey, uh, and I had a little office cleaning business that we started, and uh, we went and bought a vacuum cleaner and started knocking on doors, and you know we we didn't want to flip burgers and we wanted to work on our own time, and uh, you know it was like pretty good money for, for, for what we did and so um, it, it was you know it was not a major operation by any stretch but it was just a little you know a little pocket of cash for us and and uh, then you know fast forward many years later Chris and I both wound up in the restaurant business and and you know we just I never thought about the cleaning business as a viable option a career to get into uh, until I uh, I saw uh, heard about you know some people with uh, with commercial cleaning businesses and um, people doing well with it. And, and, and I thought, you know, that is an interesting model. So. You said, aha, I used to do that. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, so yeah, I kind of, uh, I'll keep the long story as short as I can, but uh, I came to a career crossroads uh, and, and, and in the recession of 2008 and um, and was looking for something to do. And I was really fascinated by a friend of mine who is, remains a friend of mine to this day, uh, and, and he's got a friendly competition of ours here in Atlanta. We talk to him frequently, but he and I uh, talked a lot about his business, and uh, which is uh, contract commercial cleaning. And uh, I was intrigued, so I started my own business in Savannah, uh, and then wound up moving here in, in 2012, like I said. So. so now, Dave, your partner, you have an equity stake in this? Yes. Okay. So, and so how did y'all get together? You. Stephen, you said, "Hey, I need a partner. Let me let me reach out to Dave." Or how did that form? You want to take this one? Sure. <laughs> so, I was in the landscape industry for about fifteen years prior to joining up with Level Seven, and uh, you know, I, I was just an employee at, at the company, and I ran the maintenance and chemical divisions. And I, but you know, I took a lot of ownership in what I did, and you know, I kind of reached a peak where I wasn't going to grow anymore, and so I was talking around trying to figure out what I wanted to do I know that I want I, I knew that I wanted to do something I wanted to have ownership in what I did and you know a mutual friend of ours said hey you need to call Steven at level seven he's got a good thing going on and so after talking you know for a couple of weeks I decided to give it a shot and I came on as an employee as a sales associate or for lack of better term but uh, started working for level seven, and I was there probably about six months, and, and after six months, we knew it was a good fit. Our uh, our alignment of what we, you know, 
how we looked at business, how where we wanted to go, everything seemed to gel really well. And so I, at that point, you know, bought into the company in September of 16. Um, so are there other equity partners or is it just the two of you? We, we do have uh, one other guy that's uh, in a minority state. Um, and so he's got a little bit of skin in the game. Okay. Uh, but Dave and I are the primary. The, the primary. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really interested to hear a story that you told me, Stephen, when we first met about one of your biggest clients. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that on the air? Yeah, I think so. We, right. you so know, who, who's your biggest <laughs> client? Well, or, uh, or maybe they're not your biggest client. Well, they, they, they actually are, I would say, and we've got some other big ones too we're proud of, but um, yeah, they, they are our biggest, uh, I would say, uh, and it's Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And, you know, the I stadium think, itself. Yeah, we, we work for, our, our contract is with A&B Sports Entertainment, who's, you know, owns and operates the stadium, so. So you're cleaning the entire Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, <laughs> yes, sort of. Uh, not the entire stadium, though, no. It's, it, it, what we do is, is uh, what's called the bowl cleaning. And so that's the seating area. You're talking about the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> not that bowl? Actually, not, not, not that bowl. Not that bowl. <laughs> A whole different bowl. Um, specifically, we don't do the bathrooms at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But um, so they, they do a lot of the, uh, I don't know, I guess I'd say the, the majority of the cleaning is, is done in-house, but they uh, but we partner with them to clean the seating areas, which is, you know, it's a major undertaking after every event, so. And what does that entail? Well, so after each event, we have a crew that comes in and we pick up all the trash, you know, and it's not, it, at a stadium, everybody throws their trash on the right. floor. Nobody takes their no trash. No one cares to go yep. take it to the trash can. Yeah, you're walking on trash as you're walking through the aisle. So we have we have a crew that comes through and we pick up all the trash and we do it in three separate picks because they are a zero waste facility, which means, you know, we're coming through, we're picking all the aluminum, we're picking all the plastic, and then everything else is compostable. And so we separate all three of those different products in different bags and we take them all up to the uh, to the concourse. That's impressive. I like that. Yeah. yeah. That was their requirement? Yeah, that was their requirement. Absolutely. And then we come through and we blow and sweep all the remaining, you know, popcorn and anything else that's on the floor. Then we'll have another crew that'll come in. We pressure wash every seat in the building. And following the pressure washing, then we'll come in and we'll detail everything, make sure there's no standing water, making sure that any blowback from pressure washing, anything got on the seats, Everything's nice and clean, and then we turn turn the bowl over for the next event. And this happens on what type of timeline? Typically, it's about 24 hours. Yeah. So if an event ends, for example, say at 10 p.m., we're in there at 11.30 p.m. when we start the pick. And then probably three hours following, we'll have you know, the blowers come in. Mm-hmm. And the blowers come in and blow everything down. An hour after they get started, we're pressure washing. And then probably six hours after that, we're coming in detailing everything, you know, and because they may have an event the very next night. Well, if they have an event the next night, it's tricky. You know, we could have 12 hours to turn the complete the stadium and it's 70,000 seats. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot of work in order to get everything ready to go for the next. So we're talking after every Falcons game, after every Atlanta United game, after every concert, after every motocross event, mm-hmm. anything they do there, 
y'all are coming in right afterwards. Absolutely. Do, do they, do they, cause I've seen and observed some of the fans that go to these uh, sporting events and different events. <laughs> it can be a rowdy bunch. We've, um, we've seen. You're talking about yourself, it's, Eric. Oh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, but you, what, what you get after certain types of events, and sometimes it's, you know, it can be predictable. I mean, uh, we were new to this uh, in 2017 when uh, they had the, the first concert there, the Garth Brooks concert, and uh, and we were told that the country concerts can be the worst. You know, the, the he brought out all his friends in low places. Yeah, yeah apparently, so. apparently so. And it, and and it was it was something else. I, I'll tell you, I was. Surprised. Um, the, I think the cleanest I've ever seen it was after uh, the Jay Z Beyonce show. It mm-hmm. was just pristine. Like it, we wow. didn't have to do much. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, you know why, but you know, people weren't in the seats. They were dancing. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that was it. You know, they just, they weren't going and buying concessions. They were dancing, and having a good time. So you're still using the the, the leaf blowers, right? When you blow through yes. the seats, they're battery powered as well. So oh. it's, a, it's a green. They're not going to produce any emissions. Yeah, and so we come. That's through. the most efficient way to go about it. No, it's <laughs> the cleanest and greenest. As far cleanest as emissions are concerned, a gas powered, high power blower that would create a bunch of emissions would be the most efficient way to go about doing it. Right. However, you know, with the green initiative at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, we use battery-powered blowers. Um, yeah, I think, didn't you tell me, Stephen, that Mercedes-Benz is very big on y'all, since you work for them, trying to partner with initiatives like that? Uh, you had wanted to know what kind of organizations in the area that you could partner with yeah, to give back. They, they are uh, a really community-minded uh, organization and uh, and and the, the lady that we work with directly is uh, she's just awesome and, and uh, you know a real dynamic person who genuinely cares about people in the community and that's you know she, she's just passionate about that kind of stuff yeah. and um, and so she has uh, and coincidentally she used to own and operate a commercial cleaning company before she did that what she so she now. knows what you go she through. Knows. And she and she has uh, you know worked for stadiums in the same position that we're in. That's kind of how she got into the, the role that she's in. She met Scott Jenkins, the, the GM, you know, years ago in that capacity. But um, at any rate, so um, we are working towards, and that's how I met you, Van. Originally, was we, we're we're trying to get with uh, community groups, whether it's a church or a school that's raising funds, or you know. Uh, it, any sort of nonprofit, any fundraising group, um, to to create a program where they come in and, and help us do some of the menial stuff that doesn't require a lot of skill. I put some gloves on and grab some bags, and it can be kind of a team building type of deal. And you know, okay, you guys are y'all are assigned to these sections, and you pick the trash out of these sections, and then uh, and then a donation is made to their cause. Um, so we're, we're still kind of, the, that program is still in the works, um, but that's when you and I first sat down, yeah, that's yeah. what we were talking about, so. Well, let's circle back to the business itself, because that is a great story about Mercedes-Benz, and I hope that that relationship lasts a long time. But tell me about the business itself. So it's my understanding, you know, when you bring in crews like that, especially when you're bringing in a large number, because how many, Dave, how many people do you take to the stadium? Anywhere between 350 to 500 people. 
So you don't have 350 employees, correct? No, correct. Your organization is really pretty small. Uh, yeah. How many employees are there? So, uh, well, I think we have somewhere in the 20s of actual W-2 employees. W-2 employees. Um, Full-time employees that work for you. Everyone else is a temp worker. And then, well, we do have um, a number of regular 1099 uh, subcontractors to them that I would not consider a temp. Um, you know, they're they're coming back. People event after event after event. Course, yeah, and and uh, but they're just not on salary. Yeah. Now everybody everybody that is uh, at the stadium is I would consider temp temporary work because you know it's so spotty they, you know, and so you, it's hard to to keep people. Do you find it hard to get people to work at three that's, in the morning cleaning a stadium? That's our biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to come up with 150 people who want to. So let's talk about that. How, what do you do? I mean, where do you go somewhere? Is there like a third party that you can go to and say, hey, we need employees? We do a lot of networking. We do a lot of work on Facebook. We do Craigslist. We do Indeed. We, you know, we reach out, you know, we're, and then anybody who comes, your friends want to come. We, we're, we're always, always trying so to So you tell the people that have done it, hey, tell. Yeah. Bring your other friends. We money. need as many as you can. You know, and it's good money for a second. What do you mean job? by good money? Like, what? What is? If I wanted to come clean the stadium, what am I going to get paid? You are typically. I need to a, see if I'm going to get out of financial planning. Business. <laughs> yes. You got to be trained first. Though. Oh, <laughs> I know. As a financial planner, I have no skills. No, I guess good money is relative. But you know, we typically pay thirteen dollars an hour. You That's know, for guys to come in. You know, and as a second job, it's what most people do, and they'll come in. You know, on a Saturday night, work for eight hours, get whatever that is, two hundred dollars, and call it a night. You know, and, and and it's cool because you get to go in this great grand right. arena that you know that, and it, it's just a cool thing to do, yeah. and people like to do it. So it it is hard to find people, and and the and the most difficult part about it is if you don't have the same consistent people training the people and having them have a general understanding what the ultimate goal is, you know, and developing systems and getting everybody to accomplish that goal and be on the same page and. When you have 150 people coming in, and you know, for the most part, we typically have, you know, the same same crews, but there is absolutely turnover for each event, and so there's training all the time. We're consistently training, and there are a lot of different aspects of it that change each event. You know, so we're, you know, for Atlanta United game, it might be a 200 level event, you know, so they don't have the third floor open, mm-hmm. you know, or you know, for this. Past weekend, we had the monster truck jam, which was dirt. So they bring in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of loads of, of dirt, which creates dust all over the place, which is a challenge in itself. Pressure wash, get everything washed down to the bottom, and the bottom seats are just caked with dirt, dirt. and the, the drains get stopped with mud. And did you have to wait for them to get all the dirt off the, the center floor before you did all that? Well, so Monster Jam was this past weekend, and this coming weekend is Supercross, so it's another dirt event. So the dirt's actually so staying in the stadium. Stay, they just kept it in there. And so they're bringing it out next Tuesday. So when you're pressure washing, I mean, you're putting water, is that like affecting their setup? And Oh no, it's not going getting down on the It's not getting all the no, way to the floor. No, they're drains at the bottom. You know that okay. it'll pull Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit more before we take our commercial break about 
the what it took to start this business. So we we heard the story before earlier. You told us the story. You know what was that like? You know, did you have to buy equipment? I mean, I don't know. You mentioned when you were in college, you bought a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> right. I have a feeling there was a little bit more than a vacuum <laughs> cleaner with this endeavor. That's true. Uh, that's true. Although, you know, it is a relatively low entry point to, to open a commercial cleaning business. You could, you know, if you have a car and you put a magnet on it and buy a vacuum cleaner and a broom, say you're a commercial cleaning company. Yeah. Um, we, uh, the first thing we had to do was build a, a really good website, uh, because that's how people find you these days, obviously. So, uh, we were working on, uh, our website and SEO before we even started knocking on doors trying to get business. Um, Hard to sell a business without a website. So uh, that was the first three months, really. It was getting the website up and running. Um, it's actually, my sister has a, a marketing company in, in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, and uh, Red Letter Marketing, a little shout out there. There you go. <laughs> you can, yeah, you can give her a plug. <laughs> a little plug. They do what was it again? Red Letter Marketing. Red Letter Marketing.com? Yeah. All say, right. Yeah, yeah, Red Red Letter Marketing. So, so if you want a sample of Red Letter's work, you go to your website www.l7fs.com. Good, Eric. Good job. Excellent. So, so I like that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> L7FS stands for Level Seven Facility Services. Obviously, so. How did you come up with that name? So that's a question I wish we had a better answer to. Really. <laughs> we often say we need to come up with a better answer. A, a backstory. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, come up with something that's halfway interesting, but. Actually, it was uh, that was a, a task that we put on Red Letter too. Was help us come up with the brand. Okay. Um, you know, I uh, my my business in Savannah. Uh, I named it Facilicare, and and it's still still going down there. And it was you know, and so I I wasn't sure if I wanted to. And, and at least that name really says pretty fairly plainly what what it does. Um, and, and I wasn't sure if I wanted something a little bit more. Nebulous or more direct, and you want to say whatever. Atlanta. I mean, have you ever gotten someone go L seven? Yeah, you do? We, do, we do get that question. So wait, you're a commercial cleaner? That's not what I thought. Yeah, you did. I know. And so there's a little bit of danger in that, and and I, we can speak to some of that later if you want, or we can talk about it now. But I, um, you know, we often talk about that. Should we be more direct in, in what what we do in the name of our business? Uh, the reason that we decided to keep it. Uh, a little bit ambiguous is because we do a lot of other things too. We, we provide other ancillary services other than just give an example. Uh, floor refinishing. Oh, yeah, okay. glass cleaning, carpet detailing. Uh, oh, glass cleaning. So you're talking about like the the outside of a building? Would you? Yeah. Are you the guys in the scaffolding coming down the building? No, we, you we, don't do we that. We partner with a company that does that the does stuff. Yeah, okay. but a lot of times we'll have a property manager that you know that. They just want us to include that in our scope, and you know, we just bring in our partner, and the partner takes care of it. So, um, if it's lift accessible or you know ladder accessible, our guys can handle that, and we do it in house. But definitely, we don't do the high rise stuff. But we got a, a great partner that does. Okay. Um, but well, in, in answer to your question about level seven and the origins of the name, I asked for a list of ideas, and I, and I gave him kind of carte blanche, and I just said. You know, just, I don't know, let's come up with something that we can build a brand on. And they came back with, I don't know, let's say 30 or 40 ideas. And, you know, some of them were just off the wall. And some of them were like, yeah, maybe a couple of them sounded like uh, like drugs or something. Like, 
<laughs> the names they came up with for new pharmaceuticals. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess you don't want to call yourself Cialis, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, 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 maybe. Got a stain? Go see Alice. Good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. Hey, that's good. Uh, you're going to get hired by Red Letter. You're not careful. Um, so level seven was on the list. And, and as soon as I saw it, I thought, that's got a nice ring to it. You know, it's uh, it, 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 a lot of people consider the, the number seven lucky. And, you know, who, who needs luck more than a, a startup business? Uh, it, it just sounds like something that... that I, I like the sound of it. That's pretty much the short answer right there. Uh, so we decided to build a brand on it. Well, we have to take a short commercial break for our sponsors, but when we come back, we're going to play a fun game that we have to play called Hot or Not. And um, so stay tuned right after this commercial break. Do you want to know the seven biggest retirement blunders that people make with their money? Go to OxygenFinancial.net and get our free retirement guide and learn how to take control of your retirement plan here in 2019. Blunder number two has to do with the government and taxes. And blunder number four is something important to do with all of your IRA accounts. Worst of all is blunder number three. Go to OxygenFinancial.net right now to get your free seven biggest retirement blunders guide and get your 2019 off to the right financial start. Looking for an affordable, functional, and creative space to work? Check out 3411 Coworking in downtown Chambly. They have flexible month-to-month -month office space options that include fiber internet, meeting rooms, printing, coffee, snacks, and networking events. 3411 Coworking is the perfect place for entrepreneurs, remote workers, and small business owners looking for a one-stop shop for your professional needs. Stop by for a tour Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and see how 3411 Coworking can work for you. Right, welcome back to Between Two Trains. We have uh, Stephen Tomlinson and Dave Hollister from Level 7. You can listen to Between Two Trains on our website, betweentwotrains.com. Or if you're in your car, pick up whatever podcast you like, uh, app you like listening to your podcast on. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. So pull up your favorite podcast and listen to us in the car. In fact, Eric, I've said this many times. Sometimes I think if you're in your car, you could get an MBA just from listening to us. I'll tell you, you know, that's the beauty of all the traffic around town is it gives you the opportunity to listen to things that yeah. um, are enjoyable. Yeah, especially like Stephen and Dave's story. It's so we're going to play. Hard. We're going to play hot or not. I'll take the first one. So I like using this from time to time, and either one of y'all can answer this. Hot or not, being married to an entrepreneur? Not. Nah. <laughs> it's not hot. <laughs> so is that how your wife would answer? She'd be like, ah, this sucks. Uh, yeah, you know, surely there's, there's some challenges there. I mean, you know, um, I don't know. Dave and I have kind of always made it a priority to say that we, we, we want a healthy work-life balance and we want our, our staff to have that and, you know, we, we don't want to work ourselves into the ground. And so uh, maybe it's, it's not so bad in our case, but it, it can be very demanding, obviously. Especially those beginning years. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. When, when you're try just trying to, you know, hustle yeah, it up. That's and, right. You know, yeah. your right. wife's like, why aren't you not at home? Yeah. The kids don't know what you look like. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right, right. At that point, it's work-life choices, not yes. necessarily balance. Yeah, it's true. You know? Yeah. So, question, uh, hot or not, uh, owner-occupied commercial real estate or investment property? Which one is, is hotter, I would say? I would say owner-occupied. You know, dealing with the actual owner 
is on a more of a personal, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it would be an investment if we're talking about property managers. Maybe maybe a property manager would be more more likely because you know when we're looking at big you know office buildings, those are typically going to be property management, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so CRB those mm-hmm. kind of companies. You know, some of the bigger companies, and you're not going to actually deal with the owner of CBRE. Right. You know, you're right. Gonna, with, with the property manager, so that changed my answer. All right. <laughs> All right. So do you have to, let's talk a little bit about that before we do another hire or not. You go into these, you knock, I mean, are you literally knocking on the manager's door and saying, hey, we're a commercial company or? We do a lot of networking. There, There is some cold calling with some of the bigger companies. It's difficult to get your foot in the door without some sort of relationship prior to. So, you know, there is, that we have gotten some accounts by just going up and knocking on doors and saying, hey. For Stephen and Dave, we've got a commercial cleaning company. We'd love a shot at your building, and you catch them at the right time where they're angry with our current cleaner, and sure enough, you get a bid opportunity. You know, but for the most part, it's a lot of networking. How is that bid opportunity? Uh, you know, I've, I've been involved with stuff like that for other situations, but you know, are you finding okay? We go in, we make our pitch, and we lose that out to someone else. And what do you do at that point? Do you research to find out? You know. How, are they cheaper than us? I mean, do you have a pretty good feel what your competition is charging? We, we try to, yeah. We, we always, if we, if we don't win a bid, we want to know why, for sure. Um, and so, you know, we, we always thank people for the opportunity and, you know, needless to say, we're disappointed if we didn't get the contract. But um, we'll ask them, you know, is it, if you don't mind, if you don't mind us asking, is it, was it the pricing issue? Was it, is there something else? And, right. And give us a little education from every every chance we get. So, I, I call that the post mortem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So you've got twenty some odd regular W two employees. Two of y'all. There's the other minority owner. Are there some manager upper level managers in between you and those employees? Yeah. All right. So my question is, my hot or not is sharing financials with those lower employees, whether it's manager or lower, how much of your financials do you say, yeah, this, this is what we've done. Yeah, this that. is how much revenue we did. I think it's hot. Yeah. I think it's hot. Yeah. You think I you think should do hot. that as an entrepreneur? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the more you share with, with the people that are helping you grow the company, the more they take ownership and the more they want to get involved and the learning business as you, as you're growing, you know, if they don't have any, idea of what it takes you know we're, we're, we're charging two hundred dollars you know a month for this and we're paying a hundred dollars a month like oh the company's making a hundred dollars no the company's not making a hundred dollars by the end of the day we're making you know ten bucks a month or whatever it is but just having that general idea and and educating everybody and letting them know and understand you know why we are where we are and how we're going to get to where we want to be is really important in my book. And we've always said that what we really want to try to create is an entrepreneurial culture where everybody kind of feels empowered to, uh, to succeed in, in their own entrepreneurial world in a sense. I mean, so obviously that's, you know, on the business development side, you've got sales reps, they really control their own destiny. Um, but we, we want that to be as true as it can be. Uh, we want that to be the case for, for everybody that works with us. Um, 
and, and not just the, the people who do the work in the field, but management too. You know, we, we, we try to explain exactly what a good job looks like and then empower them to do it and, and reward them when it is done well. Now, is there opportunities for growth outside of just the metro Atlanta area? I mean, is this something that we could say, hey, let's, let's franchise this or let's one of our employees, hey, we're going to we're going to mentor him into entrepreneurship and he's going to open, you know, a place in Charlotte or Savannah or somewhere else. It's possible down the road. Yeah. You know, in, in fact, we have kicked around some opportunities that recently that would take us down to, uh, to Tampa potentially, but it's, you know, we're, we're not going to branch out that far unless there's a lot of good reason to go there. Um, and, and cause it would obviously have a lot of our bandwidth. So, I would think that also there's so much business just here in the metro exactly. area. That exactly. So we're not in any hurry to, to get out of the greater metro. Uh, I think that may happen once we've grown to a, to a point where all of our systems are really ironed out. Well, I mean, you know, you know I, th I think we're getting pretty close to that point where, op operationally speaking, you know, it's it, it's starting to get some uh, kind of I won't say cruise control, but um, it's it's ironing out. Our systems are um, getting traction. Uh, so. You feel like you can go on vacation now. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. We've always said that we want to develop our system to the point where we can have a book of this is how we do it the level seven way. Here, go up, go and open level seven Charleston. And, and an yeah. SOP manual. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got so, one more hot or not, unless you've got one. I've, I've got, got one more hot. Okay, go for it. You know, before all the dust settles. Okay, so, go for it. <laughs> I don't know. If, Dust settling probably makes these guys uncomfortable. But, <laughs> but this is kind of a little evolution of hot or not. It's almost like a would you rather. So Ooh. assuming the same square footage, would you rather have a strip mall or a single sky rise, if that makes sense, with multiple floors? Sky rise. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's and just why, easier to... to well, yeah, every every floor in, in a vertical structure is going to be pretty much the same. So it's just, you know, sort the of blueprint. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a blueprint. You do it on this floor, you do it on this floor, and you just do it over and over and over again. Uh, for the most part. Now, granted, you can have some variations. but Whereas you go down here to Peachtree Station with the Whole Foods, you got a restaurant, then you've got a medical, then you got a grocery store. Right. And you got, mm -hmm. okay. D different needs for, you know, different locations. And generally in an office a vertical office structure, you know, everybody's clocking out at five or six and that's when we come in, do our thing. In a retail setting, it could be all over the map. Well, we have come to the end of our time, but before we go, tell us again the website and also if we have a listener out there who is the manager of a, uh, an office building or just needs some commercial cleaning, how do you want them to get a hold of you? Well, our website is l7fs.com. That's the letter L number seven, uh, F as in facilities, S as in services.com. And uh, if you go to the website, it's pretty easy to figure out how to get in touch with they us. Can, they can give you a call from yeah, there. Absolutely. You can call or they click, click the contact us link and, and email will show up right on my well, smartphone. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on thank here, Derek. Yeah, Any parting, parting words of wisdom from Chase Bank? 
No, just go out there and get it done each and every day. It's uh, Is that what your football coach told you at Notre Dame? <laughs> Y'all didn't know Eric was a Notre Dame football no hero. Oh, wow. wow. That's right. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Try not to act too surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, each day is a gift, you know, and, and it's clear these guys went out and hustled and built their business, and uh, you got to do that not just professionally but personally. And um, so go out there and get it. Carpe the diem. Thank you, Eric. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another great guest on Between Two Trains.